Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And now, finally, the game. Next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Waits for it. Yes, Brady gets terrific. Closer, get it, touchdown, night again. Schultz, just before Brazil got him, and a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle, caught by Colazar to fly on his feet, touchdown, Michigan. season is over. You and I know. It's going to be Michigan again. I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to a very important edition of Michigan Podcast because we are on the brink of the game. And yes, it is a rivalry again. And yes, this is one of the biggest in recent vintage, at least the biggest since 2006 when they were 1-2 in the country and undefeated. Now Michigan and Ohio State are number two and three, respectively, in the country and undefeated and you can bet this will be the most watched regular season game of the entire season on Big Noon Saturday. A lot could be determined. Playoffs, the Big Ten, maybe even the Heisman Trophy, maybe two spots in the playoffs could be determined on Saturday. We'll get to all of that and more here right after I first tell you about our partners over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. Just pick a few players, anywhere from two to five, and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times what you wagered on any entry. Lots of great 
propositions out there on various sports that you can go ahead and invest in over at Prize Picks, the award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app that is both available on the Apple App Store as well as Google Play. So far with Prize Picks, I'm 11 and 9, making two prop predictions each week here on the show. And this week, I know I'm going to win at least one. Because Prize Picks has given us a Thanksgiving weekend freebie with Jamar Jefferson, the outstanding receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Essentially, all he's got to do is catch a ball, and we get the over on that. So I'll take that as a W. So I know that guarantees I'll be at least 12 and 9. My other prize pick this week, I'm going to go J.J. McCarthy over 15 and a half rushing yards. J.J. McCarthy, over 15 and a half rushing yards. He's going to have to be more involved in the rushing game than he has been all season because of how banged up Michigan is in the backfield. And plus, I think they've been saving it for this game anyway. So I'm going to predict J.J. McCarthy to go over 15 and a half rushing yards for my second pick for prize picks this week. And remember that Prize Picks is the best legal way to play player props in states like California, Florida, Texas, and of course, Michigan. Download the Prize Picks app today. Set up your account. Use the promo code Michigan when you do, and you'll get an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks. That's right. Use the promo code Michigan when you do, and get an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks from Prize Picks. Download the app today in the Apple App Store or Google Play, and use that promo code Michigan for an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks. The best thing we can say is that it is a rivalry again. What Michigan did last year was not a win. It was an exorcism. This is the first time that I think it is actually possible that Michigan could go down to Columbus and win. I just, in 2018, when Michigan was favored, something just didn't feel right. I remember watching the pregame warmups, just kind of, Michigan looks so tight in that game. This time, I think they have the culture, the approach, and the talent to go down there and get their first win in the horseshoe since before any of my children were born. Michigan has not won there since 2000. I just married my oldest daughter last month. She wasn't born yet. (laughs) That's how long it's been. The problem that Michigan has is it's a pretty beat-up football team right now. Now, Ohio State's got key injuries too. I mean, Ohio State has played essentially an entire year here without the guy that a lot of people thought might have been the best player in college football heading into the season, Jackson Smith and Jigma. So, um, you know, Ohio State's like, come on, man. Cry me a river on the injury front, all right? We didn't know what a Dalen Hayes was last week, all right? The dude had to come off the bench and rush for three touchdowns to to help us, uh, you know, hold off Maryland. So I get it. Everybody's beat up. For Michigan, though, I mean, they played without seven starters last week. You had a couple more guys get banged up in the game. And I think that's where the difference between the injuries hurting Michigan and Ohio State more is that Ohio State has a much more diversified attack than Michigan does. So not having Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards 100%, and if I had to guess, they'll both play. I mean, let's face it, anybody who has motor function and can safely walk is playing in this one, okay, for the, for the winged helmets. Anybody in a winged helmet that isn't, you know, on an endangered species list or capable of functioning normally, even if not excellently, is going to play on Saturday. But how effective? You know, you got Mike Morris. There's some talk. Maybe it's a high ankle sprain. I don't know. How many snaps can he give you? I don't know. 
You know, one of the things you worry about with Blake Corum, if it's a bruised knee, that's what was reported in the post game. All right. So, you know, okay, you're going to, you've got, you think he's going to be able to go. He can handle the pain. You build your game plan around that. Things are looking good. Maybe you're up seven to nothing or seven to three early on. Takes a helmet on that knee. Bammo, he's done. Rest of the game. And now you're at the point where you have to completely adjust the game plan again. And yes, you can say, well, Steve, injuries happen in football all the time. That that could happen any week to any player, regardless of what their current condition is. True, but it's a little different when you know going in that the 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 possibility of such a thing is increased because of a pre-existing condition. So, I don't know. Um, I I have a, I suspect, and I want to be wrong. Believe me, I want to be wrong. But I I suspect that this is finally going to be the the day that a lot of us are going to be on social media in the aftermath saying, see, this is when the the team loyalist insiders, you know, this is when they told us not to worry about the passing game. It doesn't matter. You know, you know we don't have to worry about developing J.J. McCarthy, uh, running the balls, our identity, yada, 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 yada. This will be the day that we will have to bitterly say I told you so because of the lack of a diversified attack I think for Michigan to win the game has to look a certain way and I think if Michigan had a full complement of those players it had the talent and the will to make it look like that I think for Ohio State to win it can look a couple different ways not not many more than Michigan but definitely at least one more way than Michigan And that's why I'd probably make it about a 65% chance that Ohio State wins and about a 35% chance that Michigan does. And before the injuries in the last week, I probably would have had the game a complete and total coin flip. Because it is a fascinating matchup. In many respects, it's like an NCAA tournament basketball game where you have the, 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 the one team that comes in that wants to get up and down the court, the other team that wants to play it out half court possession by possession. And you typically see the team, you know, that wants to slow down the other one is more successful creating its tempo than the team trying to speed up the slower team in terms of pace. And and I, and that would be Michigan. But if we don't have Blake Corum turning third and three and third and four into running downs, or at least turning them into fourth and inches where that's a down, we go for it and keep possession of the football, that changes your ability to play complementary football. And that's Michigan's style. So we shall see. Regardless. This has been an incredible season. We started playing 11-game regular seasons in college football in 1971. And that first year we did, Michigan went 11-0. Michigan didn't go 11-0 again until 1997. Michigan didn't go 11-0 again until 2006. And until this year, Michigan hasn't been 11-0 since. 11-0 doesn't happen very often around here even for the winningest program of all time. Hell, 11-0 doesn't happen very often anywhere. <laughs> I mean, Nick Saban's won three national championships in years where he had a loss. It's not easy to go 11-0. This has been a fantastic season, a hell of a ride. I've greatly enjoyed it. It's, of course, not over yet. But in the end, if we end up losing to Ohio State, they proved to be the better team on Saturday. I will be very disappointed, given that I really think If healthy, if we can win this game, we have a team that could win a national championship. But I'm never going to get critical about 
winning 11 games and beating at least one of your major rivals. We did it last year. We went 11 and one and beat Ohio state. We did it again this year. We went 11 and 0 with a win over Michigan state. And now we see what happens in the horseshoe. So I hope that's true for a lot of you watching. If we come to a point as a fan base that 11 and 0, and then you lose the last game and it's like your team sucks it's important. But if it's that important, then we might want to reassess our priorities. This has been a tremendous season. And to follow up last year's breakthrough with this year's consistent dominance, there are only two teams in all of college football this year that have won the stat battle in every game. Georgia is one. Michigan's the other. So... And I still think there is probably at least a 50% chance that if the game is relatively close Saturday and Michigan loses, Michigan is still going to the playoff, which, by the way, I'm not even advocating for because I want to go to the Rose Bowl really bad. I've got a standing invitation to take my son out there. I want to take advantage of it for a father-son moment. Um, But when you look at Tennessee's loss, we're really just talking about uh, seven teams for four spots. And it just takes a couple of those teams to to get a loss. And now all of a sudden, Michigan is in there with a respectable showing uh, and back into the college football playoff for the second year in a row. I mean, just think of where this program was at this time two years ago. Many of us, myself included, thought there needed to be a coaching change. And now you look at where we are now, and we've won 23 of our last 25 games. We're heading into the Ohio State game, and the worst we're going to do is the Rose Bowl. You bet your ass I'm going to be thankful for that and enjoy it. So, yeah, if we lose on Saturday, I will be crushed. Not because I think it undermines the whole of the season behind us, but because it may limit our ability to reach what I think is national championship potential with this team. But I'm never going to complain about going 11-1 and and beating one of our major rivals. I hope we do that every single year. And I hope you feel the same way. When we come back, we'll go in-depth on the game itself with our friend Mark Rogers here next. Well, time before the game once more for the 10-minute war, and we bring in our good friend, Resident Bucknut Mark Rogers, who has a fantastic channel here on YouTube, the voice of college football with coverage and correspondence and stringers all over the sport. And, of course, it's Rivalry Weekend, which is the peak weekend of the season. Also, the climactic weekend, really, of the season as well. It, it's, no sport goes by faster than college football does, Mark. It's hard to believe it's week 13 already, but welcome back to the show. And I thought maybe we would, um, it might be beneficial to the audience if you and I, as best as we can, set aside our fandom and analyzed where our respective favorite, (laughs) yes, you're wearing neutral colors and me not so much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, if we set aside our respective fandoms and analyzed where we think each of our favorite teams are heading into this game, but with as much of our fandom as possible set aside. So I'll, I'll let you go first. If you weren't an Ohio State fan, 
you would be saying what in relationship to where they are heading into the game? I'd be saying this team is roughly where I anticipated them to be when they kicked off against Notre Dame. Uh, no Jackson Smith and Jake Buck, who was supposed to be the best wide receiver in the country, has been supplanted by another guy who may very well be the best wide receiver in the country. Uh, there were questions about the running game that seemed to be answered at various times during the season, starting with that week one showdown against Notre Dame, but have crept up to be um, concerns along the interior offensive line the last few weeks. Uh, I just watched Ryan Day's news conference from this week, and he was peppered with questions, as was Jim Harbaugh, about Ohio State's toughness. And, of course, Ryan Day isn't going to have anything to say negatively about his team's toughness. Uh, I believe that Jim Knowles' defense came together about just about as well as could be reasonably expected. Yeah, Penn State showed uh, some ability to hit on big plays in particular in Maryland. So it's not a perfect defense. And strangely enough, Jim Knowles will tell you that they don't mind getting gassed five or six times a game. That's just kind of the character of the defense. That's the scheme. That's what's to be expected. But overall, I think this is a defense that in comparison to Michigan is less steady, consistent, grind it out from play to play and do all the right things. It's more about flash plays, splash plays from five stars that show up a handful of times a game to wreck an offense and create big plays for the defense. And that's where we stand on Ohio State top to bottom and uh, pretty, pretty steady and consistent and sound on the special teams as well. If I were setting aside my fandom and analyzing where Michigan is heading into the season, or heading into the game, I would say, first of all, similar to you, I'm, I'm not surprised at where they are. Before the season, I predicted an all-Big Ten SEC college football playoff. I thought we would be better. I told you that. I thought we would be better this year than we were last year. And by a lot of statistical measures, we are. That, that This is really the team that um, – um, th this is why Jim was given a two-year extension – when they when they decided to save him from the guillotine after 2020, because they looked at the roster and realized that this this was probably the year that the next time that they were really built to make a championship run, and if they really truly wanted to give a a, a popular prominent alumnus, you know, a full verdict and hearing on his future as the coach, then let him play that out with that roster. But of course, that still meant they had to win enough games in year one to get to that point, And they did, they won the big 10 uh, a year ahead of schedule. Um, and I think that has been demonstrated with the amount of depth that has been shown. There has been more depth demonstrated by this Michigan football team than I think um, at the very least, we're going back to 2003. Um, and, and maybe we're back again into the late nineties, kind of the pinnacle of the Lloyd Carr era. And that's helped them withstand a lot of injuries and, and guys being banged up. We've played nine different offensive line combinations, Mark, and you know as a data guy, aren't the, probably the list of teams in the history of college football that have ever gone 11-0 and playing nine different offensive line combinations is small. 
All right. Normally, when you're when you're looking at a number like nine, eight or nine different offensive line combinations, you're probably an underperforming team that college football season. So that really speaks to the depth and the player development and the strength and conditioning and the culture that Jim has built. It looks like a Jim Harbaugh program. It's taken a while. It looked like in 2016 they might have been there in year two and then they took a step back and then they kind of thought maybe again in 2018 they were they were there again. Then they took a step back the next two years. Now we've had consecutive seasons for the first time under Jim that it looks like what a Jim Harbaugh program is supposed to look like. On the other hand, though, I would be concerned that maybe with the current trajectory of this team, it has maxed itself out. That you, you kind of get the sense some of what happened on Saturday against Illinois was you played with at least, well, you went into the game without like seven starters and then several other guys got banged up. So, I mean, you were playing essentially the 2023 team, you know, but Illinois had some injuries too. I mean, everybody's injured this time of year. Uh, and I mean, that's just college football. Ohio State's, you mentioned Ohio State has not had someone that a lot of people thought was maybe the best returning player in college football most of this year. What's he got, like four catches, Jackson Smith and Jigber or something? You know, I mean, everybody's banged up and hurt. I think the 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 fear more is that for whatever reason, is it because they didn't take enough time in games where they otherwise could have uh, to maybe run the score up some more? and work on the passing game? Is it because J.J. McCarthy wasn't ready for that, and so they didn't? Is it the chicken or the egg? I don't know. But it, it there does appear to be, now that we're at a level where Illinois is not as talented as we are, but they're every bit as physical of a program, so they weren't going to get bullied, if you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, they, they, they were... They were going to say, "We will sit. We'll sit here and trade punches with you. And you're just a, you know, more talented fighter. We'll lose, but we're not going to retreat to a corner here. We're going to sit here and punch back." And you saw that, you know, they had that game within doubt down to the final seconds. Um, I, I, I think probably Illinois might be culturally a little bit more physical than Ohio State, but Ohio State's a lot more physically talented. And in this rivalry game, especially after what happened in last year, I don't think Ohio State will wilt either. And that is going to require Michigan to do things with with the players it has on the outside. It has just not shown all year. It was previously willing to do. And then the last few weeks when they've really been trying it, capable of doing. And so I do kind of wonder, what would I be saying if I weren't a Michigan fan? I'd look at it and say, tremendous follow-up season. You beat your season win total with a game left in the season. You're, you're undefeated for you know 11-0 for only the fourth time in school history. The floor is the Rose Bowl for a program that looked dead this time in 2020, right? But looking at heading into this particular game and matchup, I would be concerned that maybe they've kind of maxed out, that they don't have another gear because of the lack of development uh, that's been involved in the passing game on offense. Ohio State's worst unit on either side of the ball is a serviceable secondary. It's good. It's solid. Obviously, they've recruited four stars in the entire secondary. However, it's not it's not a strong secondary by most measurements of where it should be to gun for a Big Ten and a national championship. But I don't know that Michigan's wide receiver core, and this is probably most surprising to me mm-hmm. looking at other side is that Michigan's passing game is not developed. While I have been exceedingly impressed with the, and we think of run game as just being, okay, are you big enough, fast enough, uh, physical enough to run the football? But I think the cohesion and the, uh, the 
the unit working together along the offensive front is just so impressive. It's not just, okay, we can push those guys downfield. The, the, again, the, the way they work together along the offensive front and in sync with the running backs is mighty impressive. And it's an upgrade from even what they had last year. But the lack of development by the wide receivers in the passing game is, um, I don't want to say it's alarming. They've got the potential to do it, and maybe they'll break out against Ohio State because, again, Ohio State's secondary is not awful. They've had worse ones in the last five years, but it's only serviceable. The linebacking core is so much better with Tommy Eichenberg turning into a star. Steel Chambers is near that level. Uh, so the Ohio State defense has been better, but they're masking a secondary that has leakage. Let's get to one of the X factors, at least according to your fan base, the weather. Last forecast that I saw about an hour ago, uh, highs in the low 50s and rain. Uh, at least a 60% chance of rain right now. Uh, and it could be rain that's fairly, from what they're forecasting right now, you and I are recording this on a Tuesday. It could be rain that is fairly steady throughout the course of the, uh, of the time that the game would be played. That says what to you about what result we'll see on Saturday? I think we have enough examples, Steve, throughout the years and more so in the NFL than in college football. And I'm going to liken this passing attack more to the skill level of an NFL team that if there's light rain, that it probably favors the offense, the skill position players that know where they're going um, and they're being a bit of a slippery field could favor the offense versus if it's raining so hard that it's difficult to handle the football, then obviously that flips to the defense uh, tremendously. How much do you buy into this weather narrative within your fan base? Is it just like a segment on a message board or are Michigan fans making too big of a deal out of it? I mean, your, your AD actually did say if they do home field games in the playoff, we're going to move them to a dome. I, I mean, I, I can't believe your fan base didn't revolt. Wait a minute. You're, you guys aren't going to make Florida and Georgia come play in the horseshoe in December? We don't, want, we don't want to do that. But maybe it's just because of the style you guys have played. That is just not a, a thing in your fan base anymore. And I'm holding on to, you know, nostalgic memories of a different era uh, when you and I were growing up. As soon as you started to ask that question, I immediately went to Gene Smith the AD and what he had to say about that, yeah. because that would be my first response was regardless of what the players and the coaches and everybody else thinks he's sending a message. It's like when any leader of any organization or corporation makes a statement, it means something. It means a lot. And to be that admittant to, we want to be that type of program and we want to be viewed as soft. He obviously didn't measure his words or he truly believes that uh, they have built a program that's founded on, throwing the football at a high level. And that is hurt by playing in the Midwest in November at times. However, I can't believe that to a man outside of maybe a few wide receivers, and I don't want to discount them to a certain extent, but we know that the, the typical persona of NFL bound wide receivers, but that to a man, everybody else on the roster hates to hear that they're football players. They're by nature tough. Mm -hmm and resilient, maybe not in comparison to another program, but by nature, more than the, the rest of us human beings walking around that didn't play at that level, they are tough, tough-minded. They want to be known for that. And Ryan Day is trying to instill that 
Uh, and I don't believe that that's window dressing. I believe that 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 he recognized that issue. It was obviously, you know, shoved down his throat, uh, both by the Michigan offense and by the media afterwards. So he recognizes that it's still a physical sport. It's not as physical as it was years ago by nature of the rule changes and so forth, but it's still a collision sport, not even a contact sport. And to win and to be the best, you have to be physical. Well said. And I believe that weather gets bad in Green Bay, Wisconsin at times. Memory serves, right? Yeah, yeah the, la the last 30 years, they've had arguably the two best quarterbacks, not named Tom Brady in NFL history, back-to-back. But they got those reputations were just handing the ball off 50 times a game, right? When the weather got bad, they just handed the ball off 50 times a game. They, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, those guys just can't throw the ball. I um, mean, it's snowing, it's raining in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We're just going to run the wishbone. Um, Ohio State wins on Saturday if what? Ohio State wins on Saturday if Blake Corum is held under 125 yards and Ohio State at least averages three and a half yards per rush. I am confident of Ohio State's passing game. Not that they're going to tear Michigan secondary to shreds, but I saw it last year in a situation in which there was weather and there was no running game, and they could still throw it because they're that elite throwing and catching the football. But they have to have some semblance of a ground attack, and they have to stop the run to a certain degree and I believe the winner of this game has outrun and been the rushing winner of the game 20 or 25 consecutive years. And mm -hmm. I believe that's going to hold true to a certain extent. The pass, of course, is going to offset that. But Ohio State at least has to be respectable on both sides of the ball on the ground. And then finally, Michigan wins the game on Saturday if what? Michigan wins if they are truly healthy. And they've got a fighting shot if they are truly healthy in a lot of the aspects that we've talked about, you and I, for the last couple of times we've gotten together. Uh, guys like Blake Corum, first and foremost, at the top of that list, Donovan Edwards, Mike Morris, and, 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 and two offensive linemen uh, that are key to their success. So they have to be at least able to get out there at 90% or so. Uh, reasonably healthy for this time of the season, and most of them to be factors in the game. I think minus Donovan Edwards, minus Blake Horam, I think we saw it against Illinois in the second half of that game. Michigan's possibly best of the nation ground attack becomes good. It's still offensive line generated, but it's not nearly as explosive or mm -hmm. consistent without those two backs, especially Corum. Yep, I agree with that. Good stuff, my friend. Have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, all right? I uh, hope you enjoy the weekend, except for Saturday. Absolutely, Steve. We appreciate it. You bet. Take care. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, Michigan is 11-0 for just the fourth time in school history. Is this season already a success, regardless of what happens Saturday in Columbus? 59% of you said yes. 41% of you voted no. I would also vote yes. Because as I said at the top of the show, if you gave me 11 wins and a win against at least one of our two major rivals every season, I would take it. Right? So last year we got 11 wins in the regular season, beat Ohio State. This year we got 11 wins in the regular season, beat Michigan State. I mean, I'd, I'd take that season every single year. No question about it.
So I agree. I think the season has already been a success. That gets us to our feedback of the week. Andrew Burris says, after winning the Big Ten, if at worst we go 11-1 in a Rose Bowl trip, that's still a top five finish. So, yes, this is huge. I, I agree. That's when you start stacking these seasons now and you start building up elite momentum for your program. But I must confess, I might be a little biased by the fact that I've got a standing invite to be the guest of a VIP out at the Rose Bowl. I've got a standing invite to be his guest uh, the next time Michigan makes the game, and I've always wanted to go. And I know there probably aren't too many opportunities left given where things are trending soon in college football, um, at least not for the traditional Rose Bowl. So my perspective, don't get me wrong. I mean, I want to win Saturday badly, but both my son and I are like, uh, yeah, if we lose, we're going to be crushed for like an hour. And then we're going to be like, dude, we're going to the Rose Bowl. (laughs) So, um I might be a little bit biased given that opportunity I had to do that with my boy. And if that wasn't there, maybe I wouldn't be as forgiving. I don't know. I don't know. How about we just win on Saturday and don't have to find out? I like that plan. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. And regardless of where you stand on the game, I know we have a huge throng of Bucknuts kid because we care we uh, we love you guys too i know a lot of you rubberneck this show every week and um uh, we appreciate that your views count just the same we want you to have a happy thanksgiving as well as all of you with those cotton picking maize and blue hearts and hopefully if it doesn't go our way saturday it doesn't ruin your thanksgiving weekend you're still thankful still live in the greatest country on earth if it does go your way then it just adds a little bit extra a little bit extra to those sweet potatoes and that pumpkin pie and those leftovers. Um, I mean, last year's win wasn't a win. It was an exorcism. I don't even know how I'd react to winning a game uh, in, in, in the shoe. That hasn't happened since 2000. Since 2000. I mean, I didn't have any kids. I just married my daughter about a month and a half ago. She wasn't born the last time we won a game down there. So I'm not sure how I would react. I'll probably just sit in silence and ponder and meditate on it for half an hour (laughs) before I even begin to celebrate. Uh, Anyway, it's been a great season. Uh, It will continue on here on Michigan podcast right after the long weekend. And I hope you all have a great holiday. Don't forget to like rate, subscribe, share five-star review, whether it's here on YouTube or you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks to all of you that do that. Please leave us a five-star review as well. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. And until the next time, once more, have a great holiday and go blue.